the accidental engineer welcome all max of the accidental engineer here today we are joined by paul bigger welcome paul thanks good to have you for audience that don't know who you are do you mind introducing yourself yeah so i'm the cto of dark uh, darklang.com which is a uh, platform uh, programming language and an editor for um, making it easier to build backends right on right on and you have a very interesting backstory that I think a lot of our audience that who may have already heard of you don't know about. So for our audience that are curious, how did you get into software? Like, were you a computer science undergraduate? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so uh, I went to Trinity College Dublin, um, did computer science. Um, and in, uh, in Ireland, we, we do it slightly different than, than in the US. There's no like electives. There's no um that there's no sort of a common modules you apply for what you want your major to be when you're in in high school um so i was super interested in uh in computer science and also interested in law so the uh when i gave my list of uh of things i wanted to do in college it was like computer science law computer science computer science <laughs> yeah. so how tied into that are you like when when you get into upper education mm -hmm. What was what happened to law? I guess. Uh, so you know, you, you you're the entire country is graded, and then you're given your choices from like top to bottom. Uh, so so <laughs> I got into computer science, uh, and then I did a lot of um, a lot of debating and public speaking and that kind of thing. So that was my that, that was why I was interested in law kind of in the in the first place. Um, but I ended up uh, just like you know, loving programming, and, and uh, that that's where I made my career. In the U.S., in traditional computer science, university education, there's kind of a dissonance between what you learn in mm -hmm. academia versus what ends up happening in, in reality, I yeah. guess, is maybe the best way to put it. But is the same true of what your undergraduate education was like? I think so. I, I think most of, the, most of the experience that I had or most of the thing that made me good at, at uh, computer science was just that I loved programming and, and I did it a lot. Um, and the, there was like a, a core of us that, you know, we're in the labs all the time. This is before everyone had their own laptops. Uh, so we were, we were just like in the labs, coding on side projects, um, just, just doing like a shit ton of programming. Uh, and when you look at where people, when, when they finished college, what, like how good they were at, you know, both at computer science and, and at programming, there, there was a strong correlation, but it's just like practicing a lot, basically. When you made the decision, was it really a decision to do a PhD program after? Uh, it was. So I, right after college, I started a company uh, with five friends, um, and the you know I thought that was what I was going to do, and then I ended up not really liking that. Uh, so I dropped out and I got a job at a startup, um, and the while I was at the startup, I was applying for uh, for PhD programs, and I wanted to do. Um, I want to do programming language research. Uh, my undergrad advisor had been uh, like was into programming languages and interpreters and, and, and that kind of thing, uh, and so I, w I wanted to work with him. Uh, and the in the end, uh, I was considering staying at uh, at the startup I was at, uh, but conveniently they fired me before uh, before I could. So uh, <laughs> into academia I went. Right on, right on. I, I know to give a little bit more color on your timeline of jobs and, and professional uh, timeline mm -hmm. was that you went to Mozilla 
Was that immediately after the PhD or? I, that was, so right after the PhD, I went to Y Combinator mm. and I did uh, what was my second startup then. Uh, and then after that crash and burn, maybe, maybe six months after, uh, then I had a job waiting at Mozilla. They, I had been interviewing at Mozilla at the same time as, as Y Combinator. And so they, they wrote me the offer and said, take it whenever, you know, whenever your company doesn't work out, which it inevitably did. <laughs> so when it came to the research that you'd done in your PhD program, mm -hmm. carrying it forward into the future jobs, was that that first YC startup that crash and burned? Involved? No, no, it was in a completely different area. And that was one of the things I learned actually that I, I have to be really motivated and a user of my products. Um, and I, I really like to work on things that, um, that, that I understand. Was what you worked on at Mozilla involving programming languages? Yeah, so that was the uh, that was the JavaScript engine for Firefox. Gotcha. Uh, so I was working on uh, I was working on memory management and garbage collection. I was working on the JavaScript standard library. Um, I was working on tooling, uh, and I was working on the the interpreters and, and uh, JIT compilers on, on Firefox. Nice. That stuff is. I I have a recollection of when I was probably probably like twenty thirteen or so. Yeah. I tried cloning or what using I guess it was subversion that mm -hmm. was uh, what Google is using for mm -hmm. V8 oh yeah, yeah, yeah I tried I remember I tried to compile the engine and I remember it like causing my computer crash or something. right 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 well, I mean it, it's so hard to build uh, to build these applications there's like millions of lines of code and, and all these different libraries which which you know, all work completely differently uh, C++ plus plus it's uh, bring a lot of like challenges that you can see why you know rust is going in the direction that it is for sure was c c plus plus a skill that you got while you were in your phd program like when did you so we, 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 we learned it in college um and then in the startup after college uh, that was in c plus plus in uh in my undergrad we wrote uh I, I worked on gcc for a bit that was in c and then the the compiler i ended up working on which is a, a php compiler uh was all written in c plus plus Gotcha. Is C, C++ something that you now use or? Uh, I'm trying to think the last time I, I wrote anything. It's, it's been a while. I'm, I'm very <laughs> glad that, that I, don't, uh, I don't do that anymore. We, we go PhD, mm -hmm. uh, YC startup, yep. uh, Mozilla. What happened next? Uh, so next I started CircleCI. Um, so that was in uh, about September 2011. Um, and I... Uh, myself and, and my co-founder Alan uh, started working on it and I was working uh, nights and weekends um, for for a couple of months and then it started taking off like within within three months of, of starting it we we got customers uh, and people who were like relying on us for for their uh, developer workflows and, and for getting you know stuff built and into production so uh, it, it accelerated very very quickly from from where we started working nights and weekends one of the things I'm curious about with the economics of uh, not just continuous integration yeah. services but just computing services mm -hmm. like platforms as a service is the free tier mm -hmm. of platforms as a service how does that economically shake out like I know you're up against uh, Amazon's and Google's when yeah. it comes to that space but what are so the economics? We didn't have a free tier for, for several years. Um, I think freemium, I, re I recall launching in like October 2014, I think. Um, 
so that was like that was nearly three years after we started uh, at the time there wasn't very much going on with the free tier everyone everyone kind of had their their um everyone had paid tiers but yeah i mean it's it was expensive to provide cloud computing and people were afraid of, of providing uh, free tiers in the end the free tier wasn't all that expensive relative to um relative to the service free users tend to tend not to use very much and they tend to to use it sporadically um so it, it ended up not being bad at all and it was a, it was like such a growth driver for us um in terms of the uh in terms of the economics of of uh cloud platforms it's it's definitely a scary place but it was it was much less scary in in 2011 because the volume with which people did things was just so much smaller when it came to the idea around starting Dark with Ellen, who's been mm -hmm. on the show previous, what, wh how do you guys think about the unsolved problems in building software? We, so it, it, it's funny, we actually think that most of the problems uh, have already been solved, they just haven't been put in a good package. Um, so a lot of what we're doing in Dark is just looking at things that are no longer necessary now that, now that we know how to build. Um, now that we know how to build backends and, and, and cloud software at scale. So uh, an, an example of this is, uh, is immutability. You know, everyone has figured out from multiple different directions that, that immutable is like a, an easy way to think both about architecture and about, um, and about code, but the, uh, there hasn't been really language that has tied that to, to other concepts that, 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 are also, um, that also make it easy um, to, to, to build software. When somebody has a first-time user experience mm -hmm. using Dark, what does that look like? Well, right now it's terrible. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, the 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 phase that we're at with the company is that we, we figured out what uh, we figured out the things that are really really good for building software and how we can make it really really easy. But we we are in the process now of shifting into can we make this product very good? And I mean, m making products good is is sort of a known quantity. It's so it's more of a of a when than an if. Um, but as, as a result, the onboarding experience at the moment is pretty tragic. Fair enough, fair enough. I, one thing we can point to on the mutability front is mm -hmm. the 12-factor apps mm -hmm. uh, yep. manifesto, I guess. That, yeah, that, that Heroku made. Yeah, and I will include the link in the show notes, but for audience that aren't familiar with why immutability is a mm -hmm. big deal, what is immutability and why is it a big deal? So the, the, I guess the large thing is that it's really hard to... Uh, maintain a lot of state in your head um, and and dark is going much further than than something like Heroku did so what what, what, what Heroku did um, was they, they established this thing where, where when you've got a machine you don't really make that much changes to it and if you're going to make uh, a new version of it you're going to do it separately you're going to make uh, you're not going to change it in place when you change it in place you have all these things that you have to deal with with like running systems so you have to deal with uh, things like you know, running out of um, uh, running out of system resources of various kinds, whether it's like inodes or um, or PIDs or, or you know, just weird things that that that, that you don't uh, that you don't have much experience thinking about. And so the, the the wisdom became let's just make a new one and then turn off the old one. Uh, and what we're doing with Dark is we're going much much further in. Uh, abstracting over that so that you don't even have to think about the presence of an operating system you don't have to think about the presence of um, of, of a computer of a, of a CPU under it of like the, the existence of a server all you have to think about is there's code 
um, there's data, you accept in data, your code works on the data, it, maybe it stores it or it sends it somewhere else. And that's really like what people are trying to do with, with programs and that's really what we're focusing on with Dark. I've got pretty minor firsthand experience with trying out tools like AWS Lambda, mm -hmm. uh, yep. Google Cloud Functions, yep. even Google Apps Scripts. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've tried that out previously. Yeah, yeah I, I do some uh, Gmail scripting with it. Nice, nice. Yeah. In those cases, they have both a web IDE for mm -hmm. writing your JavaScript-y type of language, mm -hmm. uh, even some tooling around you know sending test event triggers mm -hmm. to invoke your Lambda, and you can check out what the response is, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking from a point of like quite a bit of ignorance. Sure. On, on the spectrum of like infrastructure that you uh, exposed to dark users, mm -hmm. what level of granularity do people have over their runtime environment? That's a complaint often so, made. So about. none at all. Okay. Um, the uh, we, we're, we're sort of like Lambda, uh, except much much more, mm -hmm. um, and like we're, we're we're going in that direction, and then we just keep going. So for example, um, in Dark, you also have databases and queues, uh, and Again, like in Lambda, you have no control over what database it is. It just it just looks to you like a key value store, and you don't have to do any thinking about it. Yeah. And our our pitch is that by removing this this ability to think about it, uh, instead you've got this sort of holistic environment that's designed for it. So with with Lambda, let's say that you know, modern modern Lambda allows you to put Docker containers on it, and so there's um, it could be any language, it could be any um, uh, sort of frameworks, it could be any databases that you're using, it could be any other like services that, that, that you connect to. Um, and because of this, there's there's not that much they can provide in, in the way of tooling. The only thing that they can provide is like, all right, we've, we've got this instance that responds, you know, based on, on requests that comes in, we'll scale it. Um, but th there isn't anything more, and there isn't anything more that they can do if they wanted to, because there's so many different things that, that could be running in that runtime. Uh, and our, our pitch is, you know, if we've got this this um, uh, this boundary, which is all essentially HTTP, uh, with it, if we control everything within that, then we can build everything for uh, for it. So, like very simple example, um, there's no ORM in Dark. Uh, the uh, because the database is designed for the language, and th they are just the same thing. Values just go in directly, come out directly, and you don't have to think about. Um, you know the, this conversion to SQL or conversion to Postgres or MySQL types, and then how to like shard that and scale that. It's just like it's not a question at all. When when the when dark users inevitably ask, okay, how can I run SQL queries, or not even yep. running SQL queries, but just performing uh, reporting, yep. introspection of what you know their users are maybe mm -hmm. doing in aggregate or their event data looks like in aggregate. Mm -hmm. What, what kind of interface do you imagine them using? Uh, so the way people do this is they do it in Dark. So Dark is, uh, is an editor, and you write, you write code for it. And so your queries are, are just code as well. Mm -hmm. um, so like if, if you want to do some query, you know, it's a couple of lines of, of Dark code, and it's, it's in an uh, introspective environment. So as you're writing those queries, you get to see the results of the queries, and you get to do the adjustments that, 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 that you want. Uh, and, and then you can output that however you want, you know, just using just using like library functions, basically. One of the, one of the I guess software startups that I 
recently realized is kind of like the the Donald Trump of databases is MongoDB. Mm-hmm. At this point, they're a multi-billion dollar market mm-hmm. cap company. But one of the things that amazed me about them, and I recall being one of the reasons they gained popularity as quickly as they did, was that they just had very misleading defaults <laughs> when it came to their you know consistency. I, 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 th- I think you mean it was very easy to set up? I think that's the right way to put it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they also. No, I, I agree. Like the, you know, it was super fast because it, it didn't have consistency, and the it was insecure by default, and, and that that made it uh, easy to set up. And uh, yeah, I, I see where you're going with this. Sure, sure. I and I I think that's something that is definitely lacking with the existing platforms as a service mm-hmm. or functions as a service. Is that, for example, even with Lambdas, they're kind of kneecapped because. You got to set up all this VPC stuff. Mm-hmm. And right, like, right, right. Same is true of all the, pr- the cloud providers is they're mm-hmm. all mimicking each other when it comes to trying to provide everything. Yeah. And instead, maybe you just set a s- sane set of defaults around mm-hmm. those. And you've got yeah, to- well, I mean, with like Dark is essentially a replacement for all, for all of AWS with the exception of like your legacy code. So like we're we're not going to be the place that, that, that you run your Docker containers or, or, or your Kubernetes or that, that you put that you take your, your Rails app or whatever, uh, but anything new whether whether new services for your existing you know service based architecture uh, or new applications like that that there's nothing that you can do in Dark uh, that you can't do on on AWS. When it comes to how the marketplace judges platforms as a service. Like, mm-hmm. I think a, maybe something we can compare at least dark against is Firebase mm-hmm. as, in terms of trying to be a, not trying to be, is a um, kind of uh, abstraction of infrastructure mm-hmm. so that you're not dealing with like SQL, for example, mm-hmm. or dealing with operating systems, yeah. like choosing an AMI, God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what... What uh, what's kind of the measure of success that you mm-hmm. guys measure your guys' success up against? One of the things that, that we're really trying to do is to allow you to build anything. Uh, Dark is just code, um, and so it's it's not like uh, it's not like Firebase where where, where where you've got this. All right, it's a database you know, that you could maybe connect to cloud functions and sort of you know cobble together the, the, this application. Um, the the thing that will be successful is when you can build um, applications really quickly and not really run into any any edge cases, um, and and that's really what what we're designing dark for. Because when we look at things like Firebase, things like Parse, things like Meteor, uh, that were all designed for sort of this use case of of making it uh, much easier to write software. What what they didn't do is uh, provide the sort of general composability. Composability sure. around backends um, that that you get with something like um, you know just writing in Node or writing in Go or or, or, or whatever, uh, and so we want to provide that ease of use, that scalability, that that lack of having to think about all the underlying systems, uh, combined with you know the, a, a composable language that you can build libraries in and that you can run anything that you like, uh, and. It's funny, we, we don't actually use the word platform as a service at all to, 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 to refer to Dark. I think I said platform earlier, which was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we think of it as, as we're a infrastructure compiler. You write your programs in Dark and we will compile and run the infrastructure uh, for the program that you write. 
Um, so that's that's obviously a couple of years in the future, but that's sort of the uh, the success criteria that we're looking towards, like when, when we're when we're closer to that. Languages are obviously there's constraints on maybe which platforms mm-hmm. a language supports. Like you can't really run Python on uh, iOS, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody in our audience will disagree with me and correct right. me and there's show me how. There's a compiler to JavaScript or to WebAssembly and it gets compiled to native. I'm sure there's a path. Is that an eventual goal? Is that Darkling is a language that is mm-hmm. platform agnostic? Sorry, not platform, but like device agnostic maybe? We are trying to uh, reduce the accidental complexity of building software. And the place that we started is the back end uh, because that's the place with like the most obvious thing. Uh, but once you've got the back end, it makes sense that you also start to be able to write your front end in dark or your clients in dark, or you know, depending on how the industry shapes out and how things go with dark, having really nice integrations to like existing frameworks that are, that are there. Um, there's a bunch of people who make front ends uh, much easier, and I won't name any of them because there's, there's too many, and I don't want to I don't want to pick favorites. But I could imagine like a really nice integration with dark and one of these where. Uh, where you can write your your app or your front end in a couple of minutes, and then write your back end in a couple of minutes, and it's you know the the complexity goes away. What I, I I'm speaking from a position of relative ignorance about programming languages and stuff, but mm-hmm. I know there's a few design decisions around a language like type safety, mm-hmm. uh, maybe garbage automatic or manual garbage collection. Yep. Uh, Having worked on you know a JavaScript engine in you know one of the most popular web browsers on mm-hmm. planet Earth, uh, why why do you think JavaScript has this first mover advantage, and do you think it'll last for a long time? Like, what's what's going to kill it? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I I think that it does have this significant advantage that that almost nothing else has, uh, because because it's in the browser and because the web became the the sort of de facto. Of, of how software is written, and lots of people uh, learn JavaScript as their as their first language. I think that that's going to continue. What what's kind of unfortunate is that JavaScript, uh, you know, aside from its its early days and it was you know built relatively quickly, like even even despite that, it has grown in uh, in complexity uh, and it doesn't solve a lot of the things that 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 people need it for. And what, what I mean by that is, is not that there's anything wrong with JavaScript. I think JavaScript is, is, is quite a good language, really. Um, but it's more that we need our languages to do more because we need to do more. So uh, JavaScript abstracts over, you know, over the memory management system. It abstracts over um, the, the file system. It abstracts over like the OS. Um, and it, it, it abstracts over like you know the core compute. You you, you write things in dark, you don't or in, in JavaScript you don't need to think about that. But things that you still need to think about are like cloud compute or about databases or about connecting to third party services. The there aren't primitives built into the language to allow that. Uh, and everyone has been thinking about writing languages in the same way. They're you know they're a thing that run in a VM on a single computer and then you build on top of that to allow multiple computers to talk to each other. Um, and I, I think that's where we're really going to run into problems, <clears throat> problems with how, with how we're building software today, or sorry, how we have run into problems with, with, with software that we have today. The the single computer abstraction is is pretty decent, um, but after that, there's there's just nothing. And that, that that's kind of how we're how we're thinking about dark. Dark is like you know this this language for cloud compute that sits above the cloud, 
um, and you don't even think about the existence of like individual CPUs or, or whatever. I know one of the interesting features that CircleCI launched back in the mm -hmm. day was at being able to SSH into your mm -hmm. build box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the reason people wanted that and the reason that was a big deal was to be able to you know, explore interactively yep. what does the build environment look like. Mm -hmm. uh, is that something that is surfaceable mm -hmm. using the dark language? So the, the, there was, um, so yes and no. So the, the thing that you can't do is you can't get into the underlying runtime, mm -hmm. uh, and that's by intent. And when you think about the, the ecosystem uh, or, or the problem that you're trying to solve with, with continuous integration, you have uh, an existing application, uh, and that existing application um, talks to the OS, talks to you know, e e everything that's around it. And when you compare that to something like Heroku, Heroku said, you know, if you fit within these constraints, you will run on Heroku and we will solve these problems for you. Uh, Dark is a lot closer to that than it is to, than it is to Circle, because at Circle, we had to say, you know, you are going to fit the constraints of your application uh, and we have to fit you. So we made it so that it was really easy to run all these applications uh, and we, we spent you know, a year nearly at the start. And this might be the reason that, that, that Circle beat most of the other CIs. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell, but because we, we had this year ahead of everyone where, where we made it work with like every application under the sun. So we had you know, 50 versions of Python and 50 versions of Ruby and Node and PHP and so on. Um, and so it would, in many cases, just work. Mm -hmm. um, but when it didn't work, you needed to get under the hood. Uh, because there was something that was different from the from the environment that you expected and the environment that Circle provided for you, mm -hmm. uh, and Heroku didn't have to do that. Uh, Heroku, it was just like you know, there's a standard environment, and you know, you can copy the standard environment locally if you want to check it out or whatever. Uh, with Dark, it's uh, we provide this abstraction that shouldn't leak, uh, and if there's something wrong. Uh, under the hood, if it if it's going wrong, that's our problem to solve, and we will you know that that that's a bug in our system, and we'll fix it. Versus, it's a problem because of the interaction between your system and our system, and then that's a thing that we can't fix. That that's a thing for you to fix. The in terms of the the introspection and understanding how your programs run, Dark is actually built for this. Like the the editor gives you the ability to see at any point in the program what values work on real production uses of that code. Um, so we, we, we think we actually bring introspection that to a level that no one has really been able to do before in their, in their languages. Dialing back, like dialing way back, mm -hmm. do you remember what the first piece of software is that you wrote? Ooh. Um, so when I was I'm trying to think of it, uh, I think I was maybe six. Uh, and no, it was after. So I did. I did a. I did a logo course when I was like seven or eight. Wow. Uh, and <laughs> I remember we had. Um, uh, we had these computers called MSX, which was like a. It ran Microsoft Basic. This was in nineteen eighty-seven, eight, nine, somewhere around then. Um, and there wasn't logo available for it, uh, so my dad. Uh, bought logo which had been uh, translated into um, into Dutch, uh, and so <laughs> it replaced all the you know the, 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 those like commands that are like forward back that, that that sort of thing, 
uh, and they, they had used you know, the Dutch word for it. And he wrote a wrapper in English to make it back the way that, that, that I expected to be from learning the course. Uh, and then I wrote a bunch of like uh, stuff with that. Um, and it was, it was just like, you know, make the total draw things, but it was you know, roughly, roughly algorithms and, and you know, loops and, and that kind of thing. That is such a head trip for our audience that might not be able to grasp the perspective on this is that this is like pre-internet days mm -hmm. where today maybe yeah. if you were if we were to recommend to somebody here's how you should you know write your first piece of software it would mm -hmm. be like go to this website yeah, yeah 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 how the heck did you guys get a hold of a manual and like what was reading a manual like versus today when you have a programming problem I, I, I don't even remember it was, <laughs> it was it's such a long time ago. But the, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that I sort of stuck with that, but really I kind of forgot about it and I didn't really start coding until college. Mm. And by then we, we had the, uh, we had the internet, but it wasn't, you know, there wasn't Stack Overflow, there wasn't, um, you know, the, the, the vast resources that we expect today. We were, uh, in fact, when I started college, there wasn't Google yet, or at least it hadn't reached us yet. We were still using like Alta Vista and shit. I know this is, uh, kind of annoying question mm -hmm. that you'll sometimes maybe get from beginners who are interested in learning to program but wh where should people start like mm -hmm. programming language wise uh, what device do they have to even try writing mm -hmm. software on I mean m my theory is that people uh, you don't want to just learn to code to learn to code right you've got you've got something that motivates you and so it should be in the problem domain of, of what you're motivated by uh, you know, try to build the thing that you're interested in. If you're if you're interested in in building a website, learn HTML and JavaScript. If you're interested in um, uh, you know building an app, maybe you should learn in Swift. Um, if you're interested in like operating systems, maybe learn Rust or C plus plus or whatever. Just like pick the thing that motivates you because you're like coding is. I don't necessarily want to say coding is hard, but there's a lot of challenges in coding that that you're you're going to bang your head against a wall trying to solve it. Um, and you need the motivation to like to push yourself through that. Um, so you know, definitely, definitely pick something that matches what you're trying to what you're trying to accomplish, or or, or what your what your goal is, wherever your motivation comes from. I recollect going to college and taking my first computer science classes. I hadn't, I'd maybe written HTML in mm -hmm. in high school, but and maybe PHP. But in college was my first interaction with coursework in computer science mm -hmm. and I have vivid memories of being up at like 1 a.m. and my code not working and mm -hmm. me recalling oh this is way harder than English because <laughs> with English like if it's 1 a.m. and you know you're like I'm done with this essay yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you'll just get a worse grade yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like an acceptable a spectrum of is it working mm -hmm. whereas with software it's like it's either working or not working right right but no, I, I think that advice is super sage for people for people who are interested in learning a program. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably a fair amount of our audience already knows how to program, mm -hmm. but I think that's helpful advice for just how to think about staying mm -hmm. motivated when yeah. you inevitably hit a roadblock right, 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 and right. aren't sure about how to... It's funny because we think about this a lot at Dark. The, uh, our Dark is not really designed for beginners. Um, our, but our pitch is, or our, our mission is to enable a billion people to code. And when we think about how that's going to happen, it's like at the start, it's going to be engineers that are using it. We're, we're making it easy for engineers to write software using existing paradigms that they already know. But when you look at all the people trying to learn to code today, and the, the, the roadblocks they're hitting 
are, are many of the same accidental complexities that, that, that we're solving in Dart. So when we, if we make it you know, 10 or 100 times easier for engineers to code, hopefully we'll also make it 10 or 100 times easier for beginners to start coding and, and to build whatever it is that, 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 that they're trying to build with Dart. We should definitely plug with uh, jobs at Dark, mm -hmm. uh, how to check out your guys' site and whatnot. We'll include links in the show notes, but cool, cool. how can people you know, check you guys out? So um, Dark is very early. Uh, it, is, it is not publicly available. We're, we're in a private alpha at the moment, um, but you can read more about it at darklang.com, and then there's a bunch of posts on our Medium uh, where, where we discuss the, um, the design a bit. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, Paul. Yeah, thank you.